0: Hello and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're taking a look at Nehemiah chapter 5 and what happens when we face persecution. We've looked at Nehemiah and seen what it means for us to get a plan, put it together and jump into action. But what we'll see here is when we do God's work, opposition will happen. And we're going to look and spend some time on how we respond to that. I'm excited for today. I hope you are too. So grab your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter 4, and let's dive in. So today we talk about opposition and what that means for each and every one of us as we go about our daily lives. And I think the first thing that we have to address is saying, hey, this is what happens when we do God's will. We will face opposition understanding that there is a much larger picture going on here uh, in the world of spiritual warfare. Whenever someone is doing good for the sake of God, you better believe it that Satan wants to slow them down. And I think we have to acknowledge that. I mean, in all my years as a, a pastor, I think where we are right now has led us to a very unique point in history. Now, that being said, there are multiple places over the course of human history where People have uttered that phrase almost once in a generation. Whether it's World War One, whether it's World War Two, whether it's Vietnam, whether it is Paul addressing the Thessalonians, whether it is uh, the Maccabean revolt in the time uh, in the time just before Jesus, we understand that throughout throughout history there has been times where it seems like it can't get any worse, and then it does. Now, a lot of those things that I've mentioned revolve around. Warfare. And I think acknowledging where we are today, there's a lot of warfare going on in the form of spiritual warfare. Part of what we've been doing with Nehemiah is looking chapter by chapter through the book and then taking a week and spending a time looking at a cultural issue, understanding that this is a very unique season. This isn't just a unique season because it's post COVID, we're coming out of. Of, of everything that was going on, and we're trying to remember what normal is, but it's in a place where absolute truth has been replaced in every way, shape, and form by relative truth. What is relative to each and every one of us. And we're in this strange kind of place, and, and I think we all feel that. But we've also, as we've gone through Nehemiah, have been allowing God to speak to us on how to move forward. And that's the thing that I like about this. We've been allowing God to speak to us as we look at Nehemiah and going through the chapters, we've seen chapter one, it's all about chapter one, it's all about identifying a problem. Chapter two is about making a plan. Chapter three, putting a team together. And chapter four, here we go, looking at opposition. You know, and last week we took a look at chapter 3, which captures how they could fulfill such a massive restoration of the walls of Jerusalem, and every gate was divided among the people. And what we see is the power to rebuild something new when everyone grasped that they have a part to play. Many who thought that they would not have a part to play, we look at shopkeepers, we look at priests, we look at all sorts of people, not in construction by any way, shape, or form, yet... They see that they had a part to play, and God was going to use them, and they had to respond and choose how they were going to respond. And so they began what seemed to be an impossible build. And now we come to really this next part of the story, which involved the reality of opposition. When we seek to move forward in the will and the work of God, we should expect that it will face obstacles, and and that will include opposition. Opposition. And, and that's exactly what now unfolds as we pick up in chapter 4 in Nehemiah. And we're going to go through this chapter, you know, bit by bit, but draw out some real practical truths along the way. And we're going to begin in verse 1 as we read, and, I, you know, it seems like a very good place to start. So, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says, "...when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews." Uh, And in the presence of his associates and in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? They will restore their wall. They will offer sacrifices. They will finish in a day. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble that they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbed up on it. He would break down their wall of stones. I mean, this is opposition coming from all different areas. And and I've mentioned that one of the things that we see here, especially as we look at cultural issues, is we don't have to dive too deep into the fact that that when we do God's will, when we stand up for biblical truth, when we stand up for absolute truth, that opposition happens. In the setting of Jerusalem, we see that the way that it was set up between the Sumerians, uh, we see with... With Tobiah and the Ammonites, we see that all around Jerusalem, from the east to the south to the north uh, and to the west, we see different groups starting to mock the work of God. And it seems like they're attacking from all sides, which is exactly what they're doing. And and here we see the opposition rise up. We were introduced to these groups actually in chapter 2 when Nehemiah came from the Persian capital to Judea and to Jerusalem. These are the governors of the adjoining territories, which we're reading about, representing the Sumerians and the Ammonites. When the Persian Empire, to give a bit of history behind this, had conquered the whole region, it was the policy to allow various different people to maintain some freedom as long as they were loyal and paid taxes to the Persian Empire. The Israelites had been a unique power, and their capital city, Jerusalem, had been destroyed, and the Persian king had initially decided to have its restoration cease feeling uncertain of what loyalty the Israelites would have once it would be rebuilt. So the neighboring governors had enjoyed decades of enjoying being in a superior position to the people of Israel and Jerusalem. So now you can imagine how these neighboring people felt when Nehemiah shows up with a royal Persian cavalry ex- ex- uh, uh, escorting him and carrying letters from the king with official authority to rebuild the city and access to royal resources to help. Resources that would come from some of their territories. After years of being able to make fun of Israel, seeing it in ruins, now the nearby leaders feel threatened by the potential restoration of Israel's city. Now, behind all these political dynamics, there's a higher story going on. Jerusalem represented that the reign and the rule of God in so many ways Uh, Through a people he had called out to be a unique people to himself, through whom he would bless the whole world in time. So restoring this city and its temple, the people are restoring the desire to be God's covenant people, restoring their communal life with God. And this was going to face opposition. Where God is at work, the enemy is also at work. The reality of of such opposition becomes very clear as we see the kingdom come in Christ. Uh, As we noted before, and we've talked about, so much of where culture is going is very anti-biblical and very anti-Christian. And and I want to say that, you know, the more we see it, the the darker we see it get in these times, I really feel it's pointing to... The closer we see, the closer we're getting to Christ's return. Although nobody knows what it is, we understand that, that as Christ comes as the divine king of God's kingdom, we will see resistance rise up from every source that bears power over life in this world. We see the religious leaders rise up in opposition. We see spiritual powers rise up in fear. And it becomes very clear if we align with God's kingdom, we must be prepared for such opposition. And as the Apostle Paul would later describe in the the book of Ephesians, he writes, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand against all strategies and tricks of Satan, for we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world. And and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit of the world. That's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 12. Something we don't like to talk about, but it is a very good reminder and a very strong reality of what we're facing. There is a whole realm of forces set against God. Maybe that seems a little more realistic as you look and open the newspaper, and, and it may be a lot more clear that there's a lot of opposition against who God is. And I don't believe that Paul's intent is to say that there's no connection to the actual human opposition, but only that there's a more ultimate opposition uh, that seeks to defy God and destroy all that He loves. If we see life as simple, uh, as simply about doing the work of God amidst uh, a neutral ro- neutral world, we will. Be completely unprepared for the opposition that will come. I think that's important for us to note when we look at opposition. In every way in which we are actually seeking to honor God is a threat to that which God wants the honor due to him, right? Every time we we say, I will act in accordance to where God is calling me, you better believe that there's a threat to counter that. Every way we seek to follow the will of God, there will be a threat to that which has set itself against his will. And and again, it sounds like very doom and gloom, but it is just a reality. And I think it's important that we know this. Nehemiah recognizes that opposition will be there. And, and I've kind of used this picture of, of that show that I, I mean, I used to watch the A-Team, you know, a ragtag group of mercenaries who would... Uh, Who would have a problem, they identify a solution, they get the team together, and they're about to get, you know, start with the solution, and all of a sudden there's opposition to them. Now, the show would only be five minutes if there was an opposition and they just solved the problem. But you see in that show how much opposition there is over the course of the next 40 minutes of that TV show until eventually they prevail. Well, it's kind of what we've got going on here. Nehemiah's assembled a team; he's got a plan. They're acting on it, but now opposition comes, and it's not going to just be a quick solution. We can see God at work even in opposition. I think that's important to note. But, but there are some interesting aspects of this opposition. Notice when it, it happens. There are hints of such opposition early, earlier when Nehemiah first arrived in our story. But now that the people have actually begun the hard work and the long process of building, now we see these groups come out. Verse 1 says, When Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. When the people actually began doing something, the opposition reacted. And that can speak to our own process. All those initial good intentions for change, for building a life with God um, it that may not be much of a threat. Why? because our lives are full of good intentions that lead to nothing. Uh, if I if I said if I actually cleaned up the backyard every time I said I was going to clean up the backyard, then I'd have a very clean backyard. But instead, all those good intentions about the work that I'm going to get done gets distracted by all sorts of things, NHL playoffs, a nap, you name it, uh, right? The world is filled with good intentions. But if we actually begin to rebuild a life with God, to rebuild our lives and our families and local ministries, then we have become a threat because... God's work is now tangibly being done. It's gone from orthodoxy and and philosophy to actually orthopraxy and action that's that's happening. I've learned that if I if I have intentions to do something God wants me to do, I may not initially find much opposition. But when I actually step out and begin to defy the powers that have control, it may seem like All of a sudden, there's all sorts of opposition. It may seem like it, that just there is. The more it appears we may actually build life with God, the more threatening we will be. And I think that's something to be said even as the closer we go. The more time we spend in our word, the more time we ask God, God, where do you want me to be? How do you want me to to act and be uh, this week? You better believe as you do that, as you discern where he wants you to be you better believe that opposition will happen and what does this opposition seek to do opposition seeks to inwardly deflate one another with discouragement and doubt some ballot began ridiculing them what are those feeble Jews doing he is calling them weak and miserable and and it's trying to be demeaning and and we talk so much about discouragement and doubt and that is something that absolutely every person in this world, deals with. That is a reality. Whether big or small, this is just something that happens, that there is, there is discouragement and there is doubt in our lives at different times. And Zimbala doesn't stop. He starts asking these rhetorical questions that are just mocking and then the others join in. Then Tobiah, the Ammonite, who's at his side, says, you know, what are they building? Even a fox climbed up on it. He would break down their wall of stones. The workers who are working are, are the punchline of every joke, and everyone got a laugh at their expense. And Tobiah hoped that his sarcasm would make the builders cast this glance at their hard work and, and activate, you know, this, this mountain of discouragement in their lives. So I, I think there's that ex- external attack that we see that happens. But look what happens later on, right? We see a Nehemiah's response to the, this initial opposition in verses 4 and 5. We see that he cries out to God. And he this is a very personal prayer. You can, you can get it. Right, what Nehemiah is doing, he's hearing them mock the people. He sees the discouragement and the doubt creeping in, and he pretty much asks God to just smite them. You know, this is a a very Nehemiah. You know, I think all of us, we see this in the Psalms. I know I'm guilty of it at times, right? Like, we see something bad happen, and we want it stopped. And we say, God, here's my solution. Later on, we'll see that Nehemiah hands it over to God and say, you know, God, your will be done on this. Nehemiah allowed the opposition to direct him to God. Um, and and he uses that as immediately he goes to prayer in this. And and we see that out of that in verse 7 and 8, when to Tobiah, t- t- the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard of the repairs of the walls, had gone ahead, and the gaps were being closed, they became angry, and they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. And what we see is some things that happen now internally. We see that there is fatigue that happens where the external is the mocking and the ridicule. The internal, as the people are building, they look at the rubble around them. They feel the work that is being done. And there is fatigue. The people have been working nonstop and their strength is beginning to fail them. And, and when you're physically drained, it is very easy to lose heart. Now, I say this as though the reality is this wall took 52 days to build. In our in the book of Nehemiah we haven't got to that yet. It takes 52 days to build and and they've started the building. And so this is very early on. And so it's very interesting that they start complaining and there's frustration that they look at the rubble of the broken down walls that they were dealing with. And and they start to complain, and there's frustration, and then there's fear that is now around them. And notice the fear is coming from all those that are closest to the, um, closest to the the people who have been complaining. That f- the the complaining leads to fear of those around. And and yet, so now there's opposition from within, or or discouragement from within, in the form of fatigue, in the form of fear, in the term term of in the form of frustration. And and Nehemiah also addresses this, right? He ne- changes the approach rather than the goal. The goal is still to build the wall, but now he looks at it from a different perspective and, and changes the approach. Now he says, okay, half of the people are going to be working on the wall and half the people are going to be standing guard. So there is that safety net. And, and you see what happens in that. All of a sudden, the work begins again. It's a change of perspective. And, and I think this is something that will lead into, and I don't want to jump too far into it because it's leading us to, to next week, is so often we find ourselves in a place of maybe we need to step back, take a look, and get a better perspective of it. And, and one of the ways that I think of this is on when I go out golfing in the morning, I usually use a bright green ball. Now, I am colorblind. And and believe it or not, the bright neon green ball in the green grass actually stands out to me. However, once or twice when I am walking down the fairway and the sun is facing me, I could see it with the morning dew on the ground. I could not see that ball for the life of me. I would walk right by it. I could step almost right on it. And this has happened. I've walked right down, uh, right down the, the fairway and I have not seen it. And no, for those of you listening, it's not because it actually was in the rough. It was, you know, I can step right over it. But here's the thing. If I take a few steps, take some steps forward and turn around and do a 180 and look back, it stands out so bright. The perspective has changed. And now that I'm not looking in towards the sun and the the dew is glistening, I turn around, I see a different perspective and it could not be more clear. It's amazing how that happens. And I feel like this is us with opposition. When we face opposition, it is easy for us to say the world is coming against me. And in many ways, the world is attacking Christian values and biblical truths. But... Nehemiah chapter four also really shows us that there's a much different perspective and a bigger perspective going on, that this is spiritual warfare. This is God also protecting his people. And this is the desire of Nehemiah as they and of the people of Israel to return to be this covenant people with God. And God is not going to leave them and he's not going to forsake them and he's not going to hang them out to dry if they are earnestly wanting to be his covenant people. And, and I think that is going to be the challenge for us, and, and that's a challenge for this week. Uh, as as we face, as we face opposition, we pray. Yes, we may pray about what we want, but we also pray about what um, that God's will be done. But we also recognize that yes, while there may be opposition for me as an individual, more so there is opposition to God. Opposition to the will of God. And that, that Ephesians passage in, in chapter 6, so often we find ourselves talking, right, uh, about the, the armor of God. But here, that Ephesians 6 chapter, or chapter 6, verses 10 to 12, wow, that is such a good passage, which really changes our perspective to realize that there is a much bigger battle going on and that God is using each and every one of us to counter this battle and be a part of it, so so allow that to you know sink in and allow that to be motivation to take that discouragement away and and ask for that courage. Ask God to take away that doubt. I think that's a good spot for us to land today because we're going to be moving in uh, to dealing with hurt because we see that one of the natural byproducts of what's happening with the discouragement and doubt and the mockery and the ridicule of the people of Israel and Jerusalem is that there is hurt that is there. And so we're going to address next week. What do we do when there is hurt in our lives? Uh, so we're going to spend some time in that, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. So until next week, I will say take care, have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller podcast, a part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrisechurch/welcome, and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.